so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Remember last week when I said there was a very small chance Marquez would win the title? Well, oof. Yes, yes, I have to go and eat an enormous slice of humble pie right from the get-go on this episode. Welcome to episode 62 of Motorsport 101. I am your friendly neighbourhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. And with me on this episode, well, we're one man short. But hey, the consistent one has arrived. So, hello, Mr. Ryan King. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm the Lou Gehrig of, of this show. I, I'm just the iron horse. I'll always be here. <laughs> He'll always be, he's like our Vince Scully, only not a Dodgers fan. <laughs> like, and for that, we applaud him. <laughs> he's, he's on almost, like, he's been, like, you're, like, how many podcasts have you actually missed out of the 62 we've been on, King? I think it's only about four or five, I think. Yeah, it's, it's either four or five. It's been a very, very consistent. We'll, you know, we'll bake you a cake on your last appearance. We'll just go. We'll give you the at least you tried award. <laughs> the at least I tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, like, Johnson is too, is right now currently recovering from a, a nursing a hangover. Hence why he's not with us. Um, so it's just the two of us right now. Because again, as we know, King, we are professionals on this podcast, right? True professionals. Yes, yes. Very, very professional. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just don't ask him about certain podcasting co-hosts. Oh, God. Right. <laughs> we'll save that for episode 100. Which, <laughs> will, never, which will never happen. Which will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be 99-101. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be the lost episode two. <laughs> We'll put it in the archives, never to be released to the public, because the world just isn't ready for it at, at, at this point in time. But, um, yeah, on this episode, we'll be talking a lot about MotoGP, the Japanese Grand Prix, and my slice of humble pie being eaten as Marc Marquez wins his fifth world title. We'll be talking about the F1 driver market and the big deal of Nico Hulkenberg joining Renault, and an extended edition of Keeping It 101 and the mailbag to pad out this inevitably really short, yet probably inevitably will end up really long anyway episode. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get right into it and let's get into well, Keeping It 101. But first... See, I saved myself there. I was clever. Yeah, we got to, we got we got to plug ourselves as always, King. So yeah, we are on Twitter at motorsport underscore one hundred and one. We personally are on Twitter at Harrison one hundred and one HD at Ryan Eric King. That's with two decays. And our hangover friend is at AJ underscore Bomber Sports. Follow him if he's recovered by now or something. We are also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash motorsport one hundred and one. We actually put an actual highlight from the show on the YouTube channel this week, King. We're very proud of ourselves. Yes, yes. <laughs> you were able to get around to that because I haven't put one up in. Just this is a you problem, King. What are you pointing at me for? <laughs> yeah, I, I just said I haven't put one up in ages. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you know, you know what you're the king of, King. You're the king of half finished projects. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and he knows it too. He absolutely knows it because the last time he had one up was September 14th, <laughs> over a month ago. Talking about Audi's factory back in the Formula E, I, I, I've been carrying the stable with, with, with Dre briefs and, and game reviews. In the meantime, I'm, I'm working on the brand. It's very important. But yeah, 
we, we, we will have more on that over there in the upcoming weeks. I've got a couple of new series on deck planned for the off-season as well, so stay tuned to some of that. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. And if you really, really like us, we are also on Patreon. If you want to back the podcast, some really cool perks on there as well if you feel like backing us for a certain amount. Shout out to all our Patreon backers, Sean and Kachuku, Miles Pardo, Josh Sitzil, Carl Selisky, Tom Stanley, Jack Webb, um, Rhino GT4, Jake Callahan, Tyler Small, Parker Zaglin, and Scott Woodwiss. Who- but yeah, that's all the bases you can follow the podcast. Podcast. Let's get into it with Keeping It 101. King, what have you got for us this week? From Any juicy motorsport archive stuff this time around? Uh, or, or something else? So, something, <laughs> something a little more recent. And it, it's a bit breaking news, a bit specutainment, a bit... It's a bit of everything. It's a bit of everything. Oh, we, we, we like that on this show, so, so, so fire away. So, apparently, next year's German Grand Prix will not be taking place at the Nürburgring. So, mm-hmm. the WEC Formula E clash may be nearing to a solution. If it's confirmed that the F1 race will be taking place at the Nürburgring, um, the CEO of Formula E, I mean, the CEO of the WEC, Gerard Nouvel, he's he's said that they'll be able to push the race back a week, freeing up and freeing the class from happening. Yay! Who would have thought Formula One may actually end up being the solution to this, <laughs> rather than the problem we end up talking about on this show? Quote, as long as F1 is not on that date, we have no problem moving. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, the, you know, problem solved. Hooray! The, 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 uh, we talked about it on last week's show, the possibility of a massive WEC Formula E clash in New York, which is taking place the same weekend as the six hours of Nürburgring WEC race. And as anybody that knows Formula E knows, there's about a half a dozen WEC guys um, in Formula E as it is right now, racing part-time in both respective series, and that may be a problem. So it looks like F1 may just solve the problem by having the F1 race at the Nürburgring and therefore freeing up a week. I did not know that actually going in, so that's actually news to me as it's going on. See? We're professional on this show, gang. Professional. We, 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 we cover the breaking news, even if it goes out four days late. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Clearly. Um, yeah, does that, was that what you had to keep in at 101, King? Or is, uh, any something really fancy this week around? Anything gets studied? <laughs> something like that? <laughs> oh, 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 you want me to talk about the book that I, that I got that you, that, that you inquired about the last episode, Mercedes sure. and racing. Mercedes and Auto Racing in the Belle Epoque by Robert Dick. Yeah, you you played the you're on Instagram now, right? <laughs> yes. Ryan Eric King. Yes, yes. 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 Shame, shameless plug and like you played the victim on that. Like, <laughs> we were roasting you for it. We were we were genuinely <laughs> curious about it. I thought that segment about New York was really cool last week. <laughs> victim blaming. Victim blaming. S- such a problem with this culture and society these days. Well, <laughs> but, uh, uh, on, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the first real chapter of the book talks about uh, the origins of auto racing. And it mentions, I, I would say it's, I think in the in the subject of history and academia, we'd call this a historian's debate on what actually was the first auto race. Because right. traditionally what I would call the first auto race would be 
the 19, I mean, the 1894 uh, Perry Rowan Auto Race. That, that's, that's what even I've heard of that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> but there was an event that the, the, the devil's advocate to say what the first race was, was uh, a Perry Versailles race that happened the year before. But the reason why most people don't include that was that the only participant in that race was the Cop de Don. The Cop de Don was the only person who showed up with a car and drove. To win, all he had to do was finish because he was the only person. <laughs> so most people, including myself, don't count that as the first auto race. We we will always mention it, but we won't say it's the first race because you can't have a race with only one car. Well, technically, that's a race. He's racing himself, right? No. <laughs> oh dear. So, so, that, so, are you going to get some of your some of your uni mates to come around a table and debate this in the book? You know, um, <laughs> probably not because I'm the only one into auto racing. So, well, what's everybody else into? Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> no, NFL. NFL mainly. Oh god, should we, should we, let's not talk about your jet, shall we? No, let's not. <laughs> New England Patriots, five and one. Oh yes. Brady's back and tearing the Bengals a new one. Oh yes. It's very, very, very comfortable over here. Like do, do, you, like, do you like this perch king? It's very, it's very comfy up here. <laughs> Damn. I, I I liked that one week when you had to go to like a four string quarterback. That that was a great week. <laughs> And we got shut out by the Bills at home. That, it was, that, that was a great week. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, oh dear. It was, it, was, it, was, it was dark times for a whole week. But as they say, you have to go through the dark before you see the light. And the light was the return of Tom Brady. Uh, and, and it was glorious. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop flirting with Connors on Slack, for God's sake, King. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I hate, I hate you. <laughs> I don't call you out for tweeting during episodes. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you tell we're kind of winging it this week's episode? Can you tell yet? No? No, 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 no. I think you just don't have a Keeping It 101 segment for this week. No, I do. I do. It's just it's just kind of brief and it might not be relevant to you. It might be more relevant to Johnson because we're both nostalgia nerds. Oh, wait, he's not here this week. <laughs> like, I don't know if you saw this advertised in, in, in the UK, King, but the Crystal Maze came back on TV yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I saw Twitter just exploded. <laughs> yeah, like, for those that don't know, the goes that might be stateside, but unlike King, who's a bit of an Anglophile, like, unlike most most. Americans that hate us. Uh, um, like the Crystal Maze was what, like it was voted the greatest game show of all time in the United Kingdom some years ago, and it it was basically more of a kid show, but it was a it was basically a team of five adults going through this incredibly well designed maze of games to try and collect crystals before they could go to the Crystal Dome and try and win a, a nice prize, like something like a holiday. Or yes, a- yes. For for <laughs> for the American version that we have over here would be Legends of the Hidden Temple. Ah, yes, I have actually heard of it. Are they bringing that back too? Yes, like on the- yes, they are bringing that back as well. 
Yeah, I heard, I heard they've Nickelodeon's bringing that back, and I think Sarah Connor's lost her mind <laughs> on, on that one. Also, we need Sarah back on the show at some point. Uh, we've, we've, we've been meaning to get that one sorted out at some point. It's how bad, it's how bad. But uh, people have asked me about this, and I'm like, yeah, we're just, she's just really busy. Uh, but yeah, like, the Crystal Maze came back. It was a one-off special on, on Channel 4 last night um, as a special as part of their Stand Up to Cancer um, charity week where they have a bunch of special programming to try and raise money for Cancer Research UK. So to celebrate that, uh, there was a one-off um, episode, a celebrity special that aired last night on Channel 4. I think they, I think it was set in that same London set that for the Crystal Maze that they now have that was funded on Kickstarter. Um, for those of who don't know, I think there was a project done by a couple of entrepreneurs and event promoters that we're like okay if we can get like half a half a mil put together we can rebuild the crystal maze in london somewhere and they actually pulled it off <laughs> i was like oh wow this is really cool um like it was like i don't know, like king i'd say go out of your way to see it i thought it was a pretty good reboot seriously like stephen merchant was the maze master instead oh. of obviously <laughs> yeah like, like there, there was a lot of rumors in the air that it was going to be david tennant Tenant will be coming back, uh, coming back on TV for this one. As my phone goes on, that's free. That's real professional of me. Um, but uh, yeah, like there was a lot of rumours that former Doctor himself, David Tennant, um, you know, was going to come back and host this. The one I thought, oh, that actually, that actually sounds really cool. Tennant is the Maze Master. Turns out that was never a thing. But they did kind of joke about it at the start of the show because the, the, the Stephen Merchant shaved his head for this role. Like he took it that seriously. Damn. He, yeah, like he's actually bold in the promo clips and like, wow, he actually went that far for this. Good for him. But um, like they had to open up a laptop to get into the maze. And on the maze itself was Richard O'Brien, the original maze master. And I was like, oh my God, it's Richard. And it's, and in in like, they joked about it. It's like, 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 are you sure you're up to this, Stephen? And it was like, are you sure you shouldn't have just brought back that guy from Doctor Who? <laughs> they actually joked about the rumors in the actual program itself. And it was actually really fun. The, the games were okay. A lot of them were kind of like reboots of like old series stuff. Um, like the celebrities were kind of cool. They had Rio Ferdinand, you know, former Manchester United and England captain on yep. them. Um, that was pretty cool. Josh Widdicombe, who from the last leg, who's, you know, killing it right now over there for Channel 4. Michelle Keegan, who's in Our Girl, former Coronation Street actress and basically hottest piece of ass in the United Kingdom uh, right now, <laughs> basically. I mean, honestly, if you, if you click, if you look, if you search for the Crystal Maze on Facebook, right? Yeah. And, and you go through all the trending posts. It's basically a bunch of horny dads that, that are just staring at Michelle Keegan running oh through God. this maze. I just, I just Googled it. I just Googled Crystal Maze. Top yeah. post, a headline from the Daily Mail. Oh, God. Michelle <laughs> Keegan vows with a se- <laughs> Michelle Keegan wows with a sexy Crystal Maze performance. See? 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 I told you. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, all, like Michelle Keegan is like the definition of one for the dads right there. You, you know, like, yeah, it's like I said, hottest piece of ass in the UK right now because whenever she's on TV, people go crazy for Michelle Keegan. So, like, that was a really good pull for Channel 4 because it got people talking about the show. Like, oh, yeah, they got Keegan on it. Yeah, great. Um, they had 
um, Radio 1, former Radio 1 DJ and TV presenter Sarah Cox on there, and uh, Paralympic gold medal, 100-meter champion Johnny Peacock in there, who, if you've watched him on The Last Leg, is basically the nicest man in the world, <laughs> basically. He's such a sweet dude. But, uh, yeah, they actually they actually won, and they raised £25,000 for Cancer Research UK, so good for them. Um, it was actually a really fun little reboot. Uh, I'd say if you guys uh, uh, know what I'm talking about, go out of your way to see it. But, um... I just think it's kind of weird in 2016 that I've sat through reboots of Robot Wars and the Crystal Maze, and they've both been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what year is this? It, I, it's weird. It's like, like, 2016 is the year of just awful shit and some cool nostalgia. A, a small ray of sunshine on an otherwise cloudy day. But uh, I didn't know that the Americans had their own version, King. Like, tell me more. I'm, I'm curious. Um, it's I would I would say it's kind of similar to the Crystal Maze, but it's themed completely different. It's like uh, themed as like uh, Aztec Aztec Empire. Like it's sort of mm. like if you made Crystal Maze but themed it in the style of Indiana Jones. Right, because it's funny you say that because. The great, I think Great Britain had their own version of that show called Jungle Run back in the day. Yeah, like yeah, it, it, it very much had like that whole quest for an artifact kind of vibe to it, with a bunch of kids TV presenters that hosted it, and you know they had the whole Indiana Jones cave explorer kind of get up. So I think the UK were ripping on that, which is amazing, given that it looks like that show was ripping on the Crystal Maze. It's weird, <laughs> how, this, it's weird how this whole thing kind of just turns out, isn't it? <laughs> Yep. Very, very interesting indeed there. So yeah, like one one format rips off another, as you do. But again, that's the nature of television. Everybody's ripping off somebody else anyway. But uh yeah, that that'll do it, I think, for keeping it one oh one on this one. Let's get in to MotoGP and the Japanese Grand Prix, and the champion was crowned. Japanese Grand Prix at Mategi and MotoGP this past weekend, and uh, King, we have a new world champion. <laughs> new world champion, which you didn't think we would get so soon. <laughs> Was, look, 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 okay, I'm going to address this now, okay? I, I, I was right for a very long time on this one, okay? <laughs> and, like, the odds on this were very, very unlikely, Okay. I think Lorenzo had to finish off the podium, and I think Rossi had to finish 13th or lower, with Marquez winning to be able for him to win the world title on the day. Guess which all three things of those happened? <laughs> yes, all three of them did. So, yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got to look modest and irritated on this podcast now, King. Thanks a bunch for reminding <laughs> me. <laughs> You're, right. welcome. You're welcome. You're <laughs> welcome. Anyone to get one over on the host, right? But uh, yeah, Mark Marquez wins the Japanese Grand Prix, his first MotoGP victory at Mategi, and he is now a triple MotoGP world champion. And, and King, what an what an unbelievable! Well, I guess it's in some ways it's an anticlimax that Marquez won the title here, and you know just kind of just put the final nail in the coffin, really. But um, what an unbelievable achievement. <laughs> yeah, three world championships and he's only 23 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, in case you didn't need to guess, he is the youngest rider to ever win three MotoGP championships. I think he's two. If he was two years younger than Valentino Rossi when he won his third title in two thousand and three. Uh, he's also the youngest rider to win five world titles in any of the three classes. He's won this world title. He's the only man to have scored points in every single round in all three categories. Nobody has done that in any of the three classes where they've won. They've scored points in every single round. It's not even your boy Brad Binder, King. How about that? Eh, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> it's just reasonable enough. The KTM man will concede on this one. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Deep down, I do love Marquez. Yes, I, I know you do. Like we've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't. You know, I, I'm unashamed in my love for Mark Marquez and the guys. Are, the guys are like. I'm going to use this probably in the video highlights at some point if I do make a video segment on this. But it just remind. It's like watching Ronnie O'Sullivan at his absolute best. Like the, the, that's the like the comparison I draw to is just a young genius at, at the absolute top of his game. It's 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 this guy because. Compared to where he was last year, King, I mean, he's unbelievable. It's, it's like he's a different rider compared to what he was last year. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, I mean, uh, how do I put this? He, it, it doesn't seem like he's a different rider, but it seems like the team around him is mm. completely different. That they are, you know, been able to provide him a bike to give him the opportunity to be in these kinds of positions. Yeah, it's very it's weird because I I remember we looked back at the start of the season in March and from what I remember that like the morale in that camp was low. It was low. They were saying they may not win a Grand Prix all year. Everybody thought that Yamaha was going to run away with it. You know, Lorenzo won the first round in Haref. He we won it very convincingly. You know, looked like he didn't get out of third gear until right at the end, basically. And it was looking pretty bleak in that camp. And yet here we are. Marquez has won a title three rounds early. Three rounds early. Like, the last time he did that was when he won his second title. And that was a year that he'd already won 13 times to that point. Although <laughs> oh, no, I left, sorry, 13, sorry, 11, I should say. Because it was, it was his last two wins came later in the year at Malaysia and, and Valencia. But... Um, just it, it's it's an unbelievable like I think the best way of describing it I think is like is like I think I don't know if you've ever seen those Kobe Bryant commercials King where I think he descri- he looks to Kanye West and he goes but are you a different animal but still the same beast oh <laughs> <laughs> yes I've seen that commercial and yeah. uh, to everyone listening it does sound as bad as as the way Dre is putting it across it, yeah it really like there's a whole series of them it really is that awkward and that bad uh, yeah yeah like Kobe Bryant is just, just egotistical megalomaniac basically Kobe Bryant but um <laughs> but yeah it, it's it it's it, that's what it comes across to me with Marquez because last year sure he won six races but he also crashed six times and that's what ultimately cost him any real shot at the title this year he's just been ultra consistent and he talked about it in post-race interviews he was saying that you know i learned i learned a painful lesson last year in you know not being able to finish and you know this year he's he's changed his game he's he knows that you know he's not going to win every single round and sometimes he's just not going to be able to win and you know taking the points was the smart approach and he's learned so well 
you know, how to adapt to this bike. And a bike that we all think is the second best bike in the field. I mean, every expert will tell you the Yamaha M1 is the strongest bike in the field by some margin. And they've lost the title with three rounds to spare. I mean, King, is there any superlatives left for this kid? I just... Like, he's a total genius is the best way I can describe him. I mean, how does he keep doing this, King? It's inexplainable. Oh, like, it re- it really is. Well, like, literally the entire MotoGP world around him collapsed. Somehow he was still able to come out with the championship. The, the guy who fiddles while Rome burns. And we'll, we'll talk about Yamaha's post-mortem in a little bit. But I just... It's 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 incredible. Like he's, that win was his fifty fifth career win. That puts him above Mick Doohan on the all time wins list. He's now sixth outright. He's joint all time pole position record holder with Lorenzo and Rossi, who all have sixty four each now. He's only the he's only the second Spanish rider to have three MotoGP World titles alongside Lorenzo. So like his overall numbers, 55 wins, 89 podiums, 64 pole positions, 48 fastest laps, and five world titles in 147 career Grand Prix. Oh, he still has like two, like in terms of like careers, he still has like a career and a half left. <laughs> He's got 10 more good years in him at least. Yeah. 10, <laughs> I'd say. Like I'd say most MotoGP riders peak around 29 and I'd say most start to fade around mid to late 30s. So, you know, 33, 34, 35. I mean, Rossi's a, a walking freak that he's still this kind of contender at 30, 30 I think, I want to say 37. I think he's 37 right now. So, that, like, that is a miracle in itself. So, the, the fact that, like, Marquez could retire tomorrow and he'd be one of the greatest riders that's ever walked this earth. And he's still got probably at least 10 more good years in him. That's, that's a terrifying prospect for us all. Like he, he's finished nearly three quarters of the races in MotoGP on the podium over half of them on pole. And he's won nearly four, over 40% of them. That's just, that's, that's, that's unheard of. Yeah. I'm like, it's I'm like, trying to like put this into like some kind of context. Like, ooh. There just isn't, King. There isn't, because... Yeah, like, like when Sebastian Vettel was 23, he only he had only, what, one championship? Yeah, he became the youngest ever world champion at 23 in, I think, 140-something days. He literally just won his first world title in 2010. And it's... It's it's unbelievable what we're, what we're witnessing. And you know what, King, he's just done something that Valentino Rossi never even did. He won a title on the bike that wasn't the best bike in the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just broken every conventional motorsport code in the book where the best machinery tends to win. In this in this case, that Honda is a donkey. Nobody else can ride that Honda. Like, Cal Crutchlow will be the first guy to tell you. Like, because we'll talk about Honda's back downside with Pedrosa in a minute, but he said it himself. You could put me in orange levers right now and it wouldn't make a damn difference. The bikes are practically identical on a satellite level. It's just my chassis different because I like my chassis to be a certain way. Like, so the satellite guys are basically on the same bike, and that this guy is so much better than everybody else right now, and he's just won the championship on a bike that, according to who you know and people that again will speak on who know their shit on MotoGP even more than I do. 
that this bike was second fiddle to Yamaha on paper all year long, and yet here he is, world champion, three rounds to spare, and with a 77-point lead on the champion, with only 75 points on the table. I mean, what an unbelievable athlete. For, for me, I've been watching MotoGP 15 years, and I think that might be the greatest world title I've seen out of any of Valentino Rossi's nine that he's won in, in all those years any of the three that Lorenzo... Like maybe Lorenzo's 2010 might be in that ball because that's the year he broke the points record and I think finished every single race in the top four, which is just, again, just mind-blowing. And that was the year that Rossi broke his leg. But just... I mean, we, we're going to have probably our own end-of-season review show for all, for, for us, Dan Roking. I mean, is he a lock now to win, like, Motorsport in Athlete of the Year or something? Because... Who tops this? Oh, like, <laughs> I don't think anyone else could top this. Like, I know second place, if it were to happen, would be a Rossberg championship. But again, that'd be a second place to this. Yeah, I, I just... It's it's unbelievable. Like, to to, this to was, start the season like he did and then somehow win the championship with three races to go. Yeah. That he had the crash at Le Mans. He got back up and finished in 13th. And I thought, uh-oh, this is where Lorenzo could turn the screw here because he, he loves Le Mans. He, he beat Marquez straight up at, at Mejada, a race he should have won. Then in Catalonia, you think, and then Catalonia, Lorenzo drops it. Marquez finishes second. And the next thing you realise, wait, Marquez just isn't falling here. He just keeps getting these good results across the board. Like, you take the Le Mans out of the equation, he's finished every race in the top five this year. And the fifth was in Austria, a race that he had no chance of winning. Absolutely zero. That Honda was way off the, the pace compared to Ducati in, in, in Austria. And every other round, top four, four better. And he's only finished in fourth twice this year. I think that's 11 podium finishes out of 15 races this year. That you you just don't beat that level of consistency. It's it, it's it's unbelievable. So you know, con- on behalf of all of us here, congratulations to Mark Marquez. He is an icon. He is a legend. He is such a brilliant ambassador for this sport. He's he's always smiling. The celebrations were amazing. I think you see, King his brother was the first guy to congratulate him. Like his brother had run down the pit lane, hopped onto the track, and he, like he was there to celebrate, got the t-shirts ready and everything. I was yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> like, like, these guys are quick. Like, like, <laughs> they, how they, do they sort that out? They probably <laughs> had it in a box, like, just in case. They probably were like, oh, we're, not, we're probably not going to use it this weekend. But... <laughs> it's, like, it's like, guys, Lorenzo's down. Break him out. Break him out. <laughs> yes. Yes, here we go. Hashtag give me five, and uh, we're we're naming the episode after him. We're going to be giving him five because that man is unbelievable. Like he might be as fine as any athlete on the planet under the age of twenty-five. Because that is just unbelievable. What an, what an incredible, incredible kid, and he is the shining light in this series. I don't care what any Valentino Rossi fan wants to tell me. This guy is the future, the present. And the present of your sport all in one go. Um, he's incredible. But um, that, let's take a look at, at Yamaha and let's look at the post-mortem. I think it's the best way of describing it. I mean, I was seeing columns about this king at the Saxon ring where Lorenzo was just terrible in the wet these days and Rossi had a blunder where he didn't listen to his team and it cost him dear. And there were, I think it was Autosport released a premium opinion piece on how Yamaha's let this season get away from them. And 
this race seemed seemed to me like it was just Yamaha season is as a microcosm in this one race. It was it, it it was an awful awful weekend for Yamaha. Both guys crashing it in the race, effectively handing Marquez the title on a plate. And yeah, King, like I'd hate to be a fly in the wall in that camp right now. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's you're really gonna have to analyze like. Of course, Lorenzo's not going to be with them next season. Mm. They're going to have Maverick come in. They're going to have to really self-evaluate about how they let the championship literally fall out of their hands. Indeed, because like this is no young team. This is Lynn Jarvis at the helm. He's won seven championships now in that Yamaha camp with a combination of Rossi and Lorenzo. And I've said that before. This is the greatest team in MotoGP history. No team has ever been this well-assembled where you've got literally two probably top six to eight riders of all time in the same team. One of them probably number one on that list. Um, So to have an incredible team like that where you've got a combined 14 world titles in that that outfit with, with Rossi and with with Lorenzo and again they were landslide favourites for the championships one of the two they, they thought okay like, uh, around Qatar I was thinking it's going to be between these two for the title again Rossi versus Lorenzo four basically um, the fourth chapter basically a bit like Formula 1 with the Mercedes but Marquez just refused to go away and it's Rossi's made a bunch of uncharacteristic errors this year I mean the crash at Cota you know, the, his, he was unlucky that his engine failed at Mugello, but again, he crashed Alassane. He's, and he, he's not been able to win either, King. I mean, he's, we talked about it now. This, like this, I think this is the longest run Rossi's gone without a win in ages. He's gone now, like, it, uh, Philip Harden will be his ninth consecutive round without a win. Like, before a ref, he'd gone 10 rounds without a win. Like, does Rossi just lack the ultimate upside to win these days? <laughs> oh, I, I think he's starting his slow decline to the fact that he he just isn't capable because of age. It's interesting because, like, he very nearly won the title last year. Maybe if it wasn't for Sepang. He won four rounds that year to Lorenzo seven. And that that may have been the ultimate difference maker there, was that Lorenzo was just, just on his day was able to win more frequently than Rossi did. And he was still on pole position this round. And I think King, I think overall Rossi compared to last year just looks a lot quicker in terms of overall race pace. But I wonder if it's opened the door to him making maybe more mistakes because as a result, because he's been very uncharacteristic in the sense he's made errors this year on on many occasions this year. It's it's, it's very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he. I don't want it, to. It seems like he's pushing too hard to get that, you know, that one last title to get that one last ride for mm, a title. Mm. I think that's a very good way of putting it. I think it's it's no secret Rossi is desperate for title number ten. He wants that tenth title to ride off into the sunset with. Um, he's, you know, he's thirty seven. He's he's thirty eight in February before next season starts. He signed a two year deal right at the start of the season, and he said he was 90% sure this would be his last contract. So now he's almost effectively put himself on the clock, where he's now basically saying, I've got three years to win a title. And that's going to be tough on its own, given you've got Lorenzo on the other side of the garage. And 
you know, Lorenzo, his his wet weather problems are well documented. But again, he had an un- uncharacteristic fall in this race as well. And he's just had an awful time of it this year, too. Um, and he's the reigning champion. And he's a three-time world champion in his own right. And it says a lot, King, when Lorenzo actively came out and said, Marquez deserves this championship. He has been the best. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy with an enormous ego like Lorenzo. I mean, almost as big as Valentino's. Isn't it? Like, it's, 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 I think it's underrated, King, how big Lorenzo's ego actually is. Like, he's a he, he's, this is a guy that really, really wants to win. And he flat out openly conceded Marquez was the better man this year. I think I think the eighty-seven point gap says. I think the eighty-nine point gap says all you need to know about that. But even so, I mean that's pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> really crazy. Yeah, like Lorenzo openly admitting straight up that this guy was better, and uh, yeah, that's just kind of surreal. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where Yamaha goes from here. I mean, they got. It's, it's all. I'm sure it's already frosty enough in that camp, given that Rossi and Lorenzo have been at each other's throats for. God, forever. Um, but now, like the last two years, it's really gotten heated between them. And we all, we all we joked about the Masano incident um, enough as it is. And, they, you know, basically Lorenzo was spitting his dummy out and Rossi was like, me? No, blood pass? Never. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like Lorenzo is effectively like burning the bridge. And like, it's like the bridge is on fire and he's pouring gasoline on it. And, you know, you know how I know this? Did you see his quote on Wednesday where he said that he felt the Mavericks on the same level as Valentino? No, I, I did not see that. Wow. He said that on Wednesday. He said, and I quote, Maverick is on the same level as Valentino, his future teammate next year at Yamaha. He thinks that that basically Vinales is in that elite alien camp now and will give Rossi a good run for his money next year. That, I, I I can imagine that, but that probably hasn't gone down well in Rossi's camp. <laughs> no, no. Mind games, bruh. Mind games. <laughs> yeah, he said straight up. He thinks Mavericks on Rossi's level, which is, oh boy, <laughs> that's that's like the cold world, man. Cold world. But um, both Yamaha's fall in the race, um, effectively handing Marquez the title. Also, if you ever, if you haven't seen the clips on Twitter. Find the MotoGP page on BT Sport and their coverage and find the clip where Julian Ryder talks about how great Lorenzo's mental fortitude is and how well he's bounced back from the high side he had in qualifying and and, and all, all of that. And then, boom, he crashes it in the middle of Ryder's speech. It's just, it's the, it's the <laughs> greatest commentary curse, I think. Probably since Lindsay Jacobellis at the Winter Olympic Games all those years ago. It's, it's, it is a magnificently bad commentator's curse it's you have to see it to believe it just take my word for it on this one go out of your way to find it it's 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 an absolute gem but um god yamaha what a miserable place to be right now and uh hey at least you got maverick coming in that that, that'll boost things up a little bit right shout out to him by the way another great podium finish from him their third his third podium of the year he's doing a really great job there but speaking of high sides king uh poor danny pedrosa (laughs) Won here last year, um, was his 50th Grand Prix win, was a spectacular win in the wet. Um, this year, free practice free and massive high side, breaks his collarbone. King, can this man just catch a break, please? But not that sort of break, like a lucky one for once, please? <laughs> uh, <the laughs> I mean, 
when stuff happens, it happens, and uh. I feel so bad for this man. <laughs> one, like one of the nicest and most likable dudes in all of motorsport, and another really brutal injury. I mean, we talked about the arm pump last year on this podcast and how that nearly ended his career. It, it pretty much wrote off his season before it had even started. And this year, he's you know he's. He's played second fiddle to Marquez a lot this year. I think he's only beaten Marquez on the road twice this year. He says he's 2-13 and 13 against Marquez this year. That's just not a good look. And then he goes and breaks his collarbone here on uh, here at Mategi again. Like The place he won last year, you thought, okay, Brusa could really be in the mix this year. And then it's that dreaded tunnel where he's just, he's just had a awful high side he's, he's landed on his shoulder he's broken his collarbone and he's at, he, he obviously he did not start this race Hiroshi Ayama filled in at the, at the last minute um, he finished he's actually got a point in 15 so fair play to him on that one um, but he's probably going to miss the Australia Philip Island flyaway round he's probably going to miss Sepang where he won two years ago actually won he last year yeah he won last year with Sepang as well in a in a Rossi gate but um, the strongest part of the calendar coming up, and he's going to miss it more than likely. Poor, poor Danny Pedrosa. Get well soon, man. I wish him a speedy recovery. One of the real good guys in motorsport. I, I think Zara might be listening to us right now with like a bottle of whiskey uh, as we speak. In case you don't know who Zara is, by the way, she's Zara Zahid on Twitter. She does all the artwork for the podcast. All the really cool like thumbnails you get for the podcast on, on SoundCloud. That's her. Go over her and tell her I sent you. Um, but uh, yeah, she's also the like a massive Danny Pedrosa fan, and uh, yeah, nasty one. Like he's, he's, it's the injury list. It's racking up with Ian Oni out as well, still currently as well. I mean, we had, he had Hector Barbara fill in for him this round um, over there at the Ducati camp. He was given the bump up from uh, Avincia. I think Mike Jones filled in at Avincia for the weekend uh, from Australia and. Uh, yeah, Barbara rode the factory Ducati, so you know, good for him. Even if he chewed through his tires at the end and finished in seventeenth, not like kind of a mixed bag for Ducati this weekend, given that Dovi finished in second. Yeah, you know, yeah. Up and down, up and down. I think, I think it's the safest way to describe <laughs> it is uh, is up is up and down to say the least. But uh, before we move on to the to the minor classes in this one, because I'm being honest with you, the race was kind of a stinker. It, it was really just kind of boring, really. Market when well, once Marquez broke away. That was pretty much it, really. Unfortunately, it says a lot when Dorna was focusing on a battle for thirteenth on the road as, as their highlight with Bradley Smith, who's just come back from his injury. Um, so, King, tell us a story about Remy Gardner's quite famous dad. <laughs> yeah, so Remy Gardner's famous dad, Wayne Gardner, the nineteen uh, eighty seven five hundred cc champion. Uh, mm-hmm. He was involved in an altercation at the circuit where. Um, he ended up in an incident in the, I forgot, in the circuit, either on a surrounding road or in the parking lot between a Japanese businessman's car and his bike. And apparently there was a physical altercation. A bunch of witnesses says that he, you know, was violently grabbing the Japanese businessman. And mm-hmm. he claims that he was trying to escape the the other man's grasp. And he was, you know, promptly arrested. Oh, dear. 
So in other words, it's a bad case of road rage. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I thought I, we had to. Like, this was a kind of a breaking news. Once I hadn't heard this story until today, and it just it's just it just kind of wrote itself. So I thought, sod it, I'm going to put this in. But uh, Paul Wayne Garner, everybody, just uh, got into a bit of a fight. Like we probably said something like these crazy Japanese drivers or something. And uh, next thing you know, he's arrested. And uh, King, what was the very funny last line on that article? Oh. Uh, Remy Gardner finished 19th that race. <laughs> Sad face. Remy Gardner just trying to make it work in Moto 2, and it just hasn't, really. Poor guy. Um, so, yeah, we had to get that one in there. Quick rounds up of the other rounds as well. Thomas Lutie keeping himself relevant with another win in Moto 2, narrowly beating Johan Zarco over the line on that one in second place. Uh, great fight with, between Frankie Morbidelli and Takanakagami in the battle for third. Frankie was winning that one. So Nakagami just missing out on a home podium, which would have been really nice. But the Japanese fans gave him a massive ovation anyway. Um, they're a very loyal bunch over there in Japan. But hey, King, your boy, Thomas Luti, keeping himself relevant in Moto2. How about that? Yeah. Yep. Hey, he, t- he tests for KTM. He's one of your boys now. <laughs> uh, he, he does he have to? <laughs> does he have to? What's wrong with an established gatekeeper? <laughs> uh, there, there's, I mean, there, there's nothing bad about it, but there's nothing exciting about it. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, it's also probably not ideal either, poor guy. But um, yeah, that's very much the case. But hey, Lucy. Lucy Probably too far back to keep himself in title contention, but a nice big win in the battle for the minor placings, given he's a, it's a 25-point gain over both his main rivals, Alex Rins and Sam Lowe's, who both crashed out in that race as well. So Zarko effectively back in control in the championship, now a 21-point lead with three to go. So it looks, looks like Zarko's now in real good shape to retain his title. Um... As, phone, as King's phone goes off again. <laughs> so never a dull moment on that one. But um, yeah, Zarko back in control uh, of the Moto2 Championship. And a shout out to Enea Bastianini, his first win of the year in Moto3, narrowly beating King's boy Brad Binder over the line by 0.016 of a second. King, uh, <laughs> tell your boy to raise his game. <laughs> I, I, I want him to do better. But I mean, he isn't going to be my boy for much longer, so... <laughs> What's wrong with the IO camp? Hmm? Oh, I, I thought Bender was gonna, you know, move out of the IO camp when he moves up to Moto Two. No, 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 no. He's going. He's with the IO camp. He's gonna be. Okay. He's, he's, he's taking Zarco's seat. He's okay. taking Zarco's seat. Oh, it's gonna be a two-man team. Him and Miguel Oliveira next year. Okay, I got a bit of misinformation then, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It sucked to see Bender lose out by such a small margin, but that's pretty much Moto Three for you. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Those two broke away again, and this time it was Anea that got the win. Get a bit of revenge for Masano, I reckon. But so yeah, good for Bastianini. Nice win for him. I think it puts him back into second in the championship now. So you know, good for Bastianini. Nice strong result for him there as well. That will just about do it for MotoGP on this occasion. Listen to Bike Live. We'll talk about it in much more detail. Shameless plug. But uh, in the meantime, we'll we'll move it forward and let's talk about the F1 driver market. one driver market in silly season in general has taken a surprising turn as a king 
Hulkenberg is joining your boys. We, we, we joked about this last week, but it's actually a thing now. Yes, it, it was. It seemed like instantaneously rumors, then bam, it happened. Yeah, like, it's funny. It's like Formula One, like, it's kind of funny because it's not like football, like with Gillen Balagay or some really knowledgeable pundit that will make a rumor up, where a lot of the time in football, it's horseshit. In Formula One, if rumors are out about these kind of things, they have a much better accuracy rate, especially in MotoGP as well, by the way. Like, if MotoGP, if rumors come out, 90% of the time they end up being true. It's funny how these things turn out. Uh, King's mistakenness of Binder's camp was probably the 10% that didn't quite work. <laughs> but in Formula One, they were a lot more accurate. It was like, like, the rumors about Hulkenberg had started up literally the day we recorded last week's episode, the Tuesday of last week. Within five days, it was a done deal. Like that's just that's just how quickly this whole thing happened. And wow, Nico Hulkenberg in the banana yellow next year, leaving Force India to move on to to, to the Renault factory outfit and and King. So what what do you make of this move in general? I mean, you're, you're the Renault man. <laughs> good for Renault. <laughs> I it 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 wasn't Carlos. It it wasn't Perez, but you know. It wasn't Sergio Perez, but, you know, Hulkenberg is just as good, arguably. I'd say so. I mean, I think Hulkenberg gets a bad rap by being compared to Sergio Perez, who, as we forget, was a bust at McLaren. But, yeah, like, Josh still's going to come off. He's going to withdraw his patron back in of me now, King. I feel really bad I've just said that now. Uh, I can say it because Johnson's not here. Uh, (laughs) Break up team boys. But um, it's, like, Hulkenberg is... We don't need to talk about his talent. We know he's a ridiculously talented dude and, you know, one of the finest um, midfielders we've ever seen in F1. He's never had a career podium, unfortunately, but he's finished in fourth, I think, on four separate occasions. Um, But, you know, Le Mans winner, glittering junior record, you know, Formula 3 champion, A1GP champion, GP2 champion as a rookie. You know, he he was almost destined for great things until he was booted out of Williams Pastor Maldonado King. Maybe we should have known back then this wasn't this wasn't going to work out <laughs> quite the quite the way we thought when he got booted out for, for, for the for the rich yet vaguely talented Venezuelan. <laughs> vaguely talented. He, he, he was decent. Again, I don't think Pastor. I think Pastor got a bad rap too for yeah. what it's worth. But um, like. I think that's when we kind of just knew at the time that this was, wasn't going to be the story for Hulkenberg really going forward. Um, it just wasn't going to be the conventional f- story with him, which is just kind of sad in a sense because Hulkenberg is so good and he's excelled in everything he's ever driven in, really. I mean, who goes to Le Mans on, the, on, a, on their first go and wins it, for God's sake? I know he had a ridiculously good team, like the God, Nick, Nick Tandy and El Bamba in that team as well, but Hulkenberg did his due. He more than paid his dues in that portion, nine, no, portion number 19 car that day, um, as well as... Um, you know, just talking about other stuff as well. Like again, we mentioned his record in the past, King. So, is this going to be the one for Hulkenberg? Is this going to be? You know, he could maybe make the argument he's made some bad calls in his career in terms of team decisions and whatnot. Is this one's kind of a no-brainer for me? I think this is a great move for Hulkenberg. I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, I don't know. To me, it seems like Nico Hulkenberg is always the plan B. When you can't get the guy you want, you get Nico Hulkenberg. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess so. When you think about Sergio Perez and okay, like we, we talked about, I remember, remember this before when when Hulkenberg could have gone to Ferrari two years ago, but they changed their minds at the last minute and went and kept Raikkonen and, and you know, bought bought Raikkonen in from Lotus instead, and you know Hulkenberg just missed out when they had the contract ready to go. Um, all they had to do was sign the dotted line, and then Luca changed his mind at the last minute and signed Raikkonen, and, and that's been the story of of, of Hulkenberg's career. There's, there's the, the, he's the there's always a better option guy. And and that's sad in a sense, because I think it was um, our semi-famous podcasting chum, Athlete VG, that famously once said, if F1 had a friend zone, it would be Nico Hulkenberg. And that's just kind of what it's been with his, his yes. career. Um, but I'm keen on this, because for me, I think Force India is a tremendous team. They've done a, a brilliant job the last two or three years now to get themselves to this position where they're the best independent team in the sport now. But this has got to be where the wall is coming now, surely, King, because like with with Williams now beaten, the only three teams in front of them are the three big factory teams of you know Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercs. That's got to be the wall now, surely. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gonna need a lot of cash. And last time I checked, VJ isn't exactly rocking, you know, a ton of money right now to hand out, given he's kind of under investigation himself right now. It's not. Yeah, he was under investigation. It was rumored that the team was for sale. Yeah, it's 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 not been a good time to be in the Malia family right now, unless you're unless you've got an inheritance coming or something. I don't know, but uh, it's 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 not been a particularly good time for him this year. Um, still, you know, the Indian government I think is still after him for a lot of money, basically. So Force India, I don't think they're going to make too much more forward progress. That really is Sergio Perez's team now going forward. He's gonna he's gonna want that Ferrari seat going forward. Hulkenberg's gone to a factory seat in, in Renault. He's probably going to make a ton of money over there at least. If And, you know, with the resources that Renault have, you know, they show potential to make forward gains. And, you know, King, we, we, you talked about it to us off the air on many occasions. Renault are actively trying to expand. Yes, they're actively trying to expand. They're doing anything they can to try to improve because a lot of people a lot of people in the Renault Corporation, their uh, corporate are not happy with their progress Yeah, it's been a bad year for Renault they're the ninth best team in the field right now they're the worst of the factories um, they're only really ahead of the manor, which is basically Merck's, Merck's light at this point and Sauber, which we all know are well documented to have massive financial problems going forward, so Renault's got, a, Renault's you know they're they're effectively accelerating their progress now because you know they, they can't take it easy because not people are not happy with the fact they're so far back. And Hulkenberg is probably an upgrade on Magnussen or Jolion Palmer either or. I mean, King, is, is it confirmed which seat he's taken yet? Like, who are they going to keep out of Hulkenberg? Uh, they out, don't out know. It, they don't oh. know. Who would you keep? I I, I keep Magnussen over Palmer. I would say. Oh, if, if, I, if I had to keep one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably keep Magnuson, but preferably I'd get rid of them both. <laughs> yeah, I'd clear the decks if it was me. I mean, 
there's still rumours that they've made offers to Valtteri Bottas as well to possibly get the second seat, but it's looking like Bottas is going to stay at Williams for at least another year. Yeah. Um, because his Ferrari seat never quite materialised either. Um, you know, Bottas just, did, just hasn't done enough this year to justify any team giving, it, giving him a chance, really. So it's looking like Bottas is going to stay. Who knows what happens at Renault? They've still got driver options in their academy as well. That's not straightforward, so we'll keep half an eye on that one going forward. But overall, I mean, I am surprised at this, but I, I've seen pretty much universal approval for this Hulkenberg switch. So I'm glad people are seeing the bigger picture here, knowing that Hulkenberg's 29. You know, he, he's running out of chances. This might be his last real roll of the dice to try and get a top-tier seat in Formula 1. Why not gamble at this point? He's not really got much to lose anymore in F1. He's done 100-plus Grand Prix. Why not take a chance and see if Renault can give something? It's a two-year deal for Renault going forward. So I think that's a really, really cool move. So, King, remember, remember what I said last week about Force India? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the possibility that uh, a certain junior driver might be joining him to replace Hulkenberg last week? Yes, yes. This is the spot where you finally get to be right. <laughs> Pascal Verlein in, in talks to join... To, to join Force India next season? Hmm? Yes, hmm? yes. Hmm? Here's the quote from Verilon, because he, you know, decided to talk to the press at the DTM finale, mm-hmm. where he says, indeed, there's a, there's a seat at Force India, and of, and of course, we're in talks with them. Uh, we'll see how it'll unfold. At the moment, I'm focused, focused on doing the best possible... F- job for Manor and we want to end the season on a high. For me it wasn't a surprise that there would be an open seat at Force India. First there were rumors about Sergio and just after he had signed just after he had signed it focused on Nico. There is no smoke without a fire. Yeah, and F1 that's seeming to be more and more the case where if somebody openly says these things and put their name on the record there's there's a good chance it that it's it's a real story and uh you know force india i mean here's the problem i think they have there's no obvious guy to put in that seat you feel, you, you, am i getting that feeling here king that there's no obvious like number one name they could go out and get to put in that seat yeah they're because they don't have an academy like <laughs> Well, technically they do. It's more like a nursing home for pay driver money. <laughs> you know, so that's not... like They're never going to actually put one in the seat. Not really. So that, again, could also be a problem going forward. So um, there, there's no real obvious name. I mean, I put Pascal Verlein's name on it because I thought, okay, Merck's Academy driver. He's done a year at Manor. He's been very good for Manor this year. You know, and he's tested with Force India before. Yes, yeah, he's tested with them before as well. He did, 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 did. He filled in during the testing gig. He knows the team. Natural progression might dictate stick him in a midfielder and let's really see what he's got. You know, and you'll have a great yardstick in Sergio Perez next to him. The other side of the garage, we'll get a real idea of just how good Pascal Verlein really is. So I thought, why not save Verlein? I may ended up being more right than even I realized. So uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that one goes, but. It's looking good for, for Pascal Verlein to, to get that Force India seat. If I mean, I think this boils down more to Toto and, and the Merck's factory team and what they want to do, King. But, I mean, would they see it as a positive move? Do they think he's ready for that kind of jump? Because, I mean, we like you, you, I think you mentioned it before that Merck's don't do the whole engine negotiation, 
you know compensation thing really do they yeah so it it depends on uh if they feel that it would be right for pascal whether it would be you know whether it would be appropriate to move him up after only one season and whether that move would be too fast he might you know want to jump ship after because let's be honest he'll be stuck at force india for three years yeah, that that could be a problem because like, like Rosberg signed a new three year deal. Hamilton's got one year left on his current deal after this season, but he'll inevitably re-sign because why the hell would he join any other team um, anytime soon? But um, yeah, on the whole, it seems like Verline is the number one pick here. If not, then God knows who like who else could possibly get the seat. I mean, we know that we now know that Carlos Sainz is off the table. He's going to stay at Toro Rosso for at least another year. Red Bull do actually want to keep him. I think probably just in case Max Verstappen crashes into somebody in a race or something. You never know. We, we can plug him out, be consistent, you know, maybe. No, no. Yeah. But, uh, no. But, uh, you know, there's, like, Rebel want to keep him, so he's off the table. Bottas is like he's going to stay. So, any other suggestions, King? Anyone? I mean, Kvyat could be an option. Oh, God. You don't think Kvyat maybe damaged goods at this point? Nah. Nah, I still think he's good enough. I, I don't think I don't think he got you know completely run over by the Verstappen train. Well, I guess. I mean, okay. The more I think about it, the more I think, okay, that could, that could actually be done. But would he be willing to leave the Red Bull camp? Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm guessing so, given he's uh, clearly you know, I'm guessing resentful of. Uh, <laughs> of his treatment by the hands of Dr. Marco when I've been robbed of a factory seat and having it yanked out even by the young'un, basically. But, um, yeah, I think that could, could be a possibility. Like, that that could be a thing. Um, yeah, also, just found, I've just seen the Manchester United starting lineup and Ashley Young is starting for us tonight. I have no words. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw that in there. But because well, obviously, by the time this goes out, you'll know what's already happened in the game. But yeah, if in case we lose, I have my excuse prepared, all ready to go. Excellent. But uh, yeah, Kvyat, woof, boy, that that could be interesting. If you know, if he if he can if he can, if he can work something out there, maybe that could work. I mean, Reno has got the stacked academy. Would somebody maybe jump ship to go to Force India if, if the offer was big enough? I don't know. Maybe. Have to wait and see. Also, King, it looks like Lance Stroll, um, congratulations to him, by the way, on winning the uh, European Formula 3 Championship this weekend. Um, it looks like he, he's, he's going to be at Williams next year. Yeah, he is. It, it seems like it's just a matter of waiting for them to officially announce this deal. Yeah, there is a problem here. Williams' title sponsor is Martini, and... Um, yeah, Lance Stroll is still 17 years old. That's a problem. Yes. Yeah, you can't really have a Martini as a sponsor and then announce a 17-year-old as your future driver. <laughs> it, there's, there's a bit of a conflict of interest there. Just just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Lance Stroll and Valtteri Bottas. I mean, Felipe Massa was already endorsing this kid, which I think kind of maybe let the cast out of the bag on this one, really. Every news, every F1 news feed is talking about this now. It's looking like Lance Stroll will be, it will be in that seat next year. I mean, King, too much too soon for Stroll? What do you, what do you, what do you make of this? Uh, it's a big seat. It's a big seat. Uh, 
has more he he has more racing experience than Max Verstappen had going into last year. He did, to be fair. But is he Max Verstappen? No, but I wouldn't say it's too quick. He has three years of racing experience while Verstappen only had one. Stop and using he, Verstappen as a yardstick. We all know he was a freak case. There will never be another Max Verstappen in, in, in F1's current context. Stop it. And he did better than Verstappen did in European Formula 3. So True. He actually won the title as opposed to Max, I think, what, finished third last year? Yeah, he finished third. Yeah, the year before, I should say. Sorry. But uh, yes, yes. God, time flies. But um, so Lance Stroll looks like he's going to be in Williams, is that? I mean... You mentioned this before we went on the air, King, but it looks like Haas are on the fence regarding their second driver, Esteban Gutierrez, as well. Yeah, they want to wait it out the next couple of races to see how he performs. Or, like, I'd take that as they want to see how big of a pop he gets in Mexico. Yeah, I think that was the, that's a very, very sound logic there, King. I think they want to see what, what the reaction is going to be like for him in his home work. We, we saw Perez there last year, and the reaction was incredible. I didn't think me personally, I just didn't realize just how big a sporting star Sergio Perez is back home. Like, I think it was the BBC that did a really great, like, tail, like they were tailing Perez for a weekend, and he was on national television, he was down to the track promoting, he was hopping towards interviews for radio, TV, all of that good stuff. He was doing like the national... It's like when a celebrity's plugging a movie. Yeah. And like, like that was like Perez in Mexico plugging the Mexican Grand Prix being back. And the reaction was insane. So, you know, if that's Perez... I know Esteban's no Sergio, but to have two Mexican F1 drivers in the field is a pretty big deal. Esteban, we all know as well, sponsored. So he'll get... I'm sure we'll get a lot of rub in that home Grand Prix anyway. So that makes sense. But to be fair, King, I think Esteban's been pretty good this year. I'd probably keep him if I was if I was more inclined because he's legitimately outraced Grosjean on many occasions this season. He's been very unlucky not to have scored points yet. But, like, Esteban's showing something this year. <laughs> yeah, he is showing something. And, like, again, I think if they do drop him, I think it'll be for other reasons other than... He wasn't that great of a racer. Cash? Uh, I wouldn't say cash, but I'd say marketing possibilities to get the team's name out there to attract sponsors. Sure, that makes sense. I mean, for what it's worth, Esteban Gutierrez has finished in 11th place five times this season. Five. Five 11 places, no points. The man can't catch a break. Yeah, he can't. Give Esteban a point. Just just, just one point. I mean, if we, if we can give Jolian Palmer, Pascal Verlaine, and Stoffel Van Dorn a point, give Esteban a point, for God's sake. Come on. Give him a point. He's been good this year. I mean, any other stories regarding possibly Manor and Salberdenking before we move on? Uh, They've been fairly quiet, and obviously the only Manor story would be, you know, Verlaine might be leaving. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I, I mean, I don't think Salber's really got any reason to get rid of Nazel Ericsson unless it's financially motivated. Salber are just awful right now, and they need all the money they can get. I mean, we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago about Nazel potentially taking his Brazil National Bank sponsorship and then taking it to another team somewhere. But who who would take Nazel on at this point? No one, unfortunately. So, 
I think it's kind of a redundant real. I think it's kind of a redundant story in that regard, really. So you know, uh, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of a no no go. And I'm, I'm sure Ericsson's sponsors, who wish to not be named, will 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 find. And to be fair, again, Ericsson's actually been pretty good this year. Again, he's had a number of you know top twelve finishes this year as well. So you know, there's reasons to keep a lot of these dudes around. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But uh, yeah, city season's starting to you know starting to fill out, starting to take some shape now. So that will be interesting going forward. Obviously, more on the podcast as we get it. So let's move on and let's go into the mailbag. So we're back, and it's time to take on the mailbag. And, yeah, a lot of questions this week. Um, all sorts of stuff this time around. So, yeah, Marcus asks, could we potentially see a year where there are no graduates from GP2 to F1? This year. <laughs> this year. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, we've talked about this being like one of the most in- exciting GP2 seasons ever where we've had like six guys in title contention this year, including Sorotkin, Roland, Gasly, Giovinazzi, Marcello. And like, as it stands right now, we might not see a single one in, in Formula One next year. And one of them is going to be out of the series. Like that's, this is everything wrong with Formula One in terms of a driver recruitment standpoint. It's just an awful situation where, if this was Moto2 in, compared to MotoGP, there'd be four or five guys moving up next year, which is what's actually happening in Moto2 this year, where you've got Zarco, Rins, Volga, Sam Lowe's, and there's somebody else I'm missing. I can't remember who it is on top of my head. And there's one more, and I can't remember who. Um... Sort it, can't remember. I'll come yeah, to me but later. I mean, again, in yeah. MotoGP, that's happening because there's going to be more seats next year. True. There's going, to be, there's going to be two more seats. There's going to be a 23-bike field next year. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be more teams and more seats for everybody, basically. And in that case, a, a great chance of getting in. Formula 1, they seem to be taking less chances on GP2, Youngen specifically. It looks like with Max Verstappen and Lance Stroll coming in, it's seemingly going to be the way that it looks like maybe Formula 3 might be the way to go in the future. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they see, I, I don't know. Like, like again, you say Max Verstappen was, you know, a different case. Lance Stroll is also a different case. Well, to be fair, he is also a son of a billionaire. That kind of helps. He's the son um, of a billionaire, and the two, the two out of three years he's raced, he's won the championship. So he's clearly kind of good. Then is that we're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so again, it's it's just not a good year to be in GP two right now. I mean, you already saw Mitch Evans. He's already pretty much going to jump the shark to to Formula E next year. He's already endorsing that as a and I quote real drivers championship because um, his GP two career just not worked out um, the way many people thought it was going to. But yeah, I mean, we could have five or six dudes who probably should be in F1 next year, but who won't be because the logjam is so big right now. Um, Speaking of which, uh, Luke Frost, a big fan of the show, has asked us, which riders from Moto2 and 3 do you think could be in MotoGP in a few years' time? Mm. Hmm... Well, it's going to be interesting because we're we're, we're already going to have like four new guys in MotoGP next year. 
So, like, Moto 2 is kind of basically having the decks being cleared at this point, which is kind of crazy. Um, if I had to pin, pinpoint a couple of guys, I still think Miguel Oliveira is a really good talent with, with the right team around him. I think Leopard is a, is, a, is a dead horse right now. I mean, Danny Ken blew his chance to be in MotoGP this year to, to, to stay with Leopard, and that's worked out beautifully for him, obviously. Um... Anyone stand out to you, King, outside of the obvious that are already going to be in MotoGP next year? Well, I guess, like, unless you would say it's obvious, I'd say, you know, Bender in Moto3. Oh, what a shock. You'd say Brad Bender. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Bender's really good. Like, like, Bender's really, really been incredible this year. So maybe I'd throw him in that discussion as well. I think Frankie Morbidelli, given he's got VR46 backing, could be one to watch next year. Yeah, maybe well. maybe Enea Bastianini. Like, he's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, not not been quite as good this year as we thought, but um, one to keep an eye out on for next year. Um, and he's, he's going to be in. Uh, he's he's, he's, gonna be, he's going to be the uh, Strada Galicia Moto Three team next year, so he's going to be in a, what, the, probably the best seat in the sport now, more than likely, outside of Red Bull KCM. So there's one to keep an eye on for sure. So those are some of the obvious guys to uh, to mention. But um, there's, there's there's probably more out there, which I'm sure you guys are thinking. Yeah, let us know in the comments or something, you know. That'd be really cool. Um, Marcus Wendy mentioned the fifth anniversary of Dan Weldon's passing. Um, yeah, very much so. That um, I think it was just, it was five years ago. I think I want to say yesterday. It was yeah. five years to the, to the passing of Dan Weldon, who tragically lost his life in, in, in Las Vegas in one of the most awful IndyCar accidents you'll ever see. Um, back when pack racing was very very dangerous indeed and um it's the fifth anniversary what was just a black week as it was i think i'm pretty sure marco simoncelli's fatal accident was less than a week later yeah. as well and um there was a, a double effectively minute silence at the indian grand prix later that year um and that week was in tributes to dan and to marco simoncelli that lost his life as well um, just a just an awful weekend. That was why I remember it. I was just getting into this space in terms of making videos and you know covering the sport more seriously. And it was just a dark, dark week. And even like I wasn't an IndyCar fan back then, but I did know of the name of Dan Weldon. I know that he was one of the very rare cases of a Brit going overseas to America and legitimately being really great at that American level um, as a real flag bearer for British motorsport over stateside. We've, we've just not had a guy over there since since, since Dan Weldon's um, tragic passing. You know, maybe, maybe if you want to count Dario, if you want to count Scotland and throw that into the United Kingdom, maybe, but... We've just not had someone like that since, and it's just all the more tragic from a British standpoint as well, obviously, just from a world standpoint, because Dan was so beloved by so many in IndyCar as well. Um, it's, 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 it still stings. Uh, I miss Dan very much. I don't, know how you, I don't know how you feel about it, King, but that's that's where I'm sitting on that one. Yeah, like, I definitely miss Dan. Yeah, definitely. A real, a real, real gent and a, a great racer, sadly missed. Len Morrison asks, assuming Carlos Sainz stays at Toro Rosso next season, where do you see his long-term future going? Uh, I mean, with Red Bull, it's it's effectively he's going to be there for a while if he stays at Red Bull. He, he isn't going to get promoted up to the senior team anytime soon. Not unless probably Daniel Ricciardo leaves early to go to Ferrari, maybe. <laughs> uh, I I doubt that. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I doubt Ric- that. 
Ricardo's made it quite clear he'd love to drive for Ferrari one day. Yeah, just just because he would love to drive Ferrari doesn't mean that Ferrari would want him. Well, what would make you think they wouldn't want Ricardo? Because he's probably the best. He's like he's 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 a driver of the year contender this year. He's been fantastic this season again. <laughs> do you think Ferrari wants two number ones? What do you call Kimi Raikkonen this season? <laughs> I think Kimi Raikkonen is better than expected, and we kind of can't fire him because he's a world champ. Well, strike that off the record. What did you just say? They they kind of can't fire him because he's a world champion. Just realizing <laughs> they fired him. They fired a world champion to get him at the first time. They, 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 they fired him and they told him, we'll pay you the rest of your contract. Please go away. We'll pay you not to work, but it's, it's like a it's like a bad college coach in football over there. It's like it's, it's like we'll pay you not to show up to work anymore. Yeah, they, like Ferrari is not above firing a world champion. Make make no mistake. You make a good point though about Ferrari are like no doubt like the team that without question don't want two number ones. Not really. Yeah, um, this is like everyone has said they want to drive Ferrari. Ricardo, Hulkenberg, Botas, Paris. Shut up, King. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody wants to drive a Ferrari. Problem is, Ferrari, their guy is Vettel right now. Unless you talk to the Italian press, who can't stand him all of a sudden. Hooray! Because they don't want but to blame uh, Ferrari because Ferrari is now winning. Indeed. Their problem, bastards. Um, so yeah, that's true. Um, Carlos signs for me. I agree. Red Bull's probably the best place for him right now. You might have just might have to just wait and see, and you because you never know. Somebody may jump ship from Red Bull, and that might be the catalyst to get Carlos signs in the factory seat. But that doesn't look likely anytime soon. So good luck to him. Get out of there, Carlos. Get out of there. It's 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 it's, it's not gonna happen, man. I promise you. But um, that's not that's coming from me. Totally not a Carlos Sainz fan. Um, so yeah, Danny Brennan asks, if you were to expand the IndyCar calendar for 2017 to an F1 style of 21 races, which what would you add to the calendar? So you'll add in what? Four more rounds, I want to say? Yeah. I mean, oh, four, like if I had to add four more rounds, it'd probably be like ovals you've never heard of. Like just American ovals you've never heard of. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would defer to King on this one because I know nothing about the landscape of American motorsport. So, King? Yeah, I'd probably add in Chicagoland Speedway, which is a 1.3-mile oval. Its most, fa- its most famous IndyCar race is the closest finish in IndyCar history. I think we talked oh, about it yes. before with the upside-down transponder, which caused disqualification. Dip, chip, you dirty, stinking cheese. <laughs> uh, I'd yeah. add Milwaukee back onto the calendar. Sure, that could work. I'd have no problem with Milwaukee. Ooh, any other ovals I'd like to add? Uh, Michigan, which is um, Fontana's sister track. Okay. Why can't we just bring back Fontana, period? Oh, yeah, and Fontana. That would be the fourth one. Yep, we're good. Like, like let's, let's not overthink this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just well, bring like, back Fontana. And have Michigan. <laughs> Two Fontanas in a year ain't bad. Hey, I'm, I, <laughs> you didn't even have to ask. <laughs> I, I am okay with that. So, yeah, that's an idea. Um, question for King and Adam. So, I'll leave this just to you, King, as well. Can Truex win the championship? That's from Who Said Romo, and I quote, also, as I have to say it at least once, Robo Race. 
Uh, <laughs> can Martin Truex like I I think like if I had to compare this to something that would probably be easier for you to understand, Martin sure. Truex has literally gotten hot the moment the playoffs have started, and he's the hottest guy out there in terms sorry, of... Sorry, I'm just having painful flashbacks to Joe Flacco and Eli Manning. Bear with me. Just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, yeah, go on, go on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I think if... It, right now, Truex is... It, he isn't as hot as, as you know, when the playoffs have started, but he's definitely a contender. If he doesn't get eliminated, he definitely stands a shot to win it all and in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I'd say for, if I tell you what it's worth, he's Bookie's favorite in our joint to win the NASCAR Spring Cup. He's Bookie's favorite. I think he's seven to two, just ahead of Kevin Harvick, who's four to one. So. Um, yeah, so the bookies think it's the bookies are going with the hot hand in, in Truex on this one, basically. I'll have to wait and see how that one goes. Um, Henry Chapman on Twitter asks, Do you think the World Rally Cross series gets the credit it deserves? In my opinion, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, Dre can't say anything because he doesn't watch it. So, <laughs> no. this one's on you, King, again. <laughs> again, like, it's, it's entertaining, but there's no real characters in World Rally Cross. There isn't, like, a fan favorite you could latch on to, like, in other series. What about Scott Speed in his bone that's this big? Uh, I mean, wait, Scott Speed's in the World? I'm pretty sure he's in the Global Rally Cross Championship. The, like, the, it would be... There's a difference? Yeah, like, <laughs> global, global Rally Cross is, like, um, IndyCar to what, you know, World Rally Cross is F1. <laughs> Oh, I see. So it's a bit like a off the beaten track kind of series. Yeah, yeah. We're, okay. World Rally Cross tends to race at actual racetracks, while World Rally, while World Rally Cross, they race at like I would say, ooh, like American Oval infields and like street races. I think they have one race every year at an American military base. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I did not know. Although I will say, and shout out to Johnson for mentioning this, the Kevin Erickson pass from World Rallycross that that went viral today. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, fourth to first in one really amazing, I'm just going to go balls out this corner and hope it works. His car was pretty much sideways going through that opening corner, so he could almost wave to his competitors behind him. It was like, hi guys, how you doing? I'm in the lead now, bye. (laughs) It's like, what? It was the most ridiculous pass I think I've ever seen. Just just out of this world. So shout out to Kevin Erickson. You, sir, are an animal. Um, Question from Shawnee F1 says, if you gave drivers FIFA star ratings, what will they be? Dot, 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 watch this space. That's all I will say. I've been thinking about this because I'm a numbers nerd. It's what I do. So uh, stay tuned to that one in the upcoming weeks, especially on YouTube. That's all I'll say. Um, also, yeah, wanted to mention Connor Pink asking, with the owners, with the new owners of F1 being a media company, can we see changes to how the media around F1 works, making it more social media and online-based, trying to reach new markets through platforms such as Snapchat, etc.? If so, how long will they take? Brackets, love the show and keep up the amazing work. Thanks, Connor. Um, appreciate that. So, um, oof. These things don't happen overnight, as far as, I'm, as far as I'm aware, King. And even if they have all the ideas in the world, this is going to take time to implement, surely. 
Yeah, I give it... Five years? Oh, whoops. We'll cut this bit out. (laughs) Yeah, I would probably give it three years. I was thinking five. Yeah, like it's... uh, to them to completely overhaul a company that for like I think we talked about this lot in our little chat like so many times like how their marketing department was literally only two people yeah that's that's just that's just tragic oh dear um yeah just one of those things I suppose right but uh, yeah I mean I think these things are going to take time I'm not going to rush it I'm here for the slow burn but the fact that what they've done with Formula E definitely gives me hope. Let's put it that way, because Formula E is probably at the forefront of social media outreach right now. Uh, certainly in, in, in the short term, they've done a great job of that series promoting it globally and whatnot. So I'm curious to see what Liberty's overall vision is for the future, and I can't wait to see how it goes. Um, and last question. This is more of a journalistic one. This is kind of fun. Brian Glennon asks, if you could go back to any era of F1 and cover it, which would it be? Hmm. This is, oh, I, I want to say if I had to go back and cover any period, I'd probably say the 50s because I knew it. I knew you'd say the 50s. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't do the 30s for obvious reasons. Right. Um, you know, Nazis and things. <laughs> kind of preoccupied with other more important things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the 50s, I would say it's a perfect balance of the tracks just being awesome to just go to. Because mm-hmm. Monza still had the banks. You had uh, the French Grand Prix, which had Reims. So they had the massively long Le Mans style straights. Lit. Uh, of course, I think British Grand Prix was at Silverstone. Uh, the Indy 500 was on the F1 calendar. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point as well. So I mean, you make you, you make a compelling argument here, Mister King. Yeah, I'd probably say the 50s, just because the cal- To me, that that's probably my favorite calendar. Like the calendar was best to me in the 50s. Makes sense to me. If it were me, I'd probably choose between two i'm thinking either the late 80s slash early 90s or the early 2000s i'm not sure which one i would rather have because the 2000s was my period of growing up when i first started watching Formula one as a child and you know there's the, the nostalgic person in me loves the loves the cars loves the look loves the guys like schumacher and peak hackenen and you know david coulthard being a very underrated personality and you know little things like that that was my era of growing up in formula one or from more of a fantasy standpoint because i was born in 92 which is kind of a problem but that era of F1 seems like it was pretty amazing to cover Senna versus Prost. F1 was just starting to go mainstream properly. Um, you were starting to see like proper stars come to the forefront for the first time. Like Senna was a superstar. I'd love to have followed the sport during that time of Senna versus Prost. And the tech advancements in F1 were, were being accelerated up when we had the, the rise of Williams and traction control and Benetton and and you know with Schumacher coming up coming up to the forefront joining Ferrari that would have been a pretty cool time so yeah. if it and, were me 
One, one thing I got to say about the 50s, you do get to see Bernie Eccleston fail to qualify for the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs> Need I say more? That's a very compelling <laughs> argument. And that, I think, is a perfect note to close the podcast on this week. Bernie Eccleston trying to qualify a car. Uh, yep, so... Just one more time to round up before we go. If you want to follow us on the interwebs, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, our personal Twitters at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King with two Ks, and at AJ underscore Bomber Sports. And if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. And we are on all the places you can catch a podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Cast, Xbox Ones, you name it. It's all good. If you, if, if you, need, if you need to know by now, then God, where have you been? But um, we're, all, we're all out there. Come listen to us. It's fun. I'm sure Johnson will probably be back next week once he's hungover settled up. But until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye. And you had a nice career, Mark Weber. You had a really nice one. Hi, Kendra, you're right. Yeah. Good luck. My mom made me a whole pack of cookies. Did you say something for me? No. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I hate everything! Johnson, put this in the show! <laughs>